today I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture, Genesis 49 and John 15. Genesis 49 and John 15. We'll look at both of those in a moment. Uh, but let me kind of introduce where we're headed this morning for the next few weeks. Uh, we're talking about bearing fruit, being fruit bearers. How many of you know it's God's plan for us to be productive and fruitful for His kingdom? Amen. And we're going to talk about that. In fact, today's a little different. I, my outline today, it, it, it kind of uh, unnerved me a little bit, but I think it'll work out okay. I, I'm just, it's a little different for me, and I, pr- I trust that you'll be able to follow along. Uh, are you at Genesis 49 and John 15? Once you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor. Awesome. Uh, and so let me tell you how this, this series was born uh, as you know, we just finished up out of Philippians, I think an eight-week, might have been a seven-week, an eight-week series called Finding Biblical Focus for Your Future. We began the year just getting a good focus on God, what God's Word says for our life. We looked, at, we, we gained that series through the book of Philippians, if you remember, and we had different focal points in Philippians. Uh, and as I, is my custom, they all kind of, uh, look, they have different meaning, different topics, but they all kind of, as you see, the fruit bearers. And then our, we had the focal point of this, the focal point of that. And one of them was the focal point of fruitfulness, of bearing much fruit. Because here's what uh, Paul told uh, the Philippian church when he uh, wrote to them this letter about, he prayed for them. He said, let me tell you, I'm going to pray for you. This is what I pray for you. And I love this because I think we ought to pray this over our own lives. We ought to pray it over our church family. Paul said in Philippians 1, 9, you don't need to turn there. You could if you want, but I got you in Genesis 49 and John 15. This is where it was born a few weeks ago. He said, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I'm telling you, that verse exploded in my spirit. He said, I'm praying that you would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus Christ in you wants to uh, help you become fruitful for him. And when that happens, God is glorified. How many of you will make God really happy? I got a one amen and a couple of nods. Let me try again. How many of you want to make God really happy with your life? Amen. amen. Then, then you and I have got to realize and, and embrace the reality that if we're going to make him happy and glorify him, then we're going to have to become productive for him. Christ lives in us and, and he wants us to be fruitful for him and become fruit bearers. All, all God's people said Amen. And so that's where it was born. And I love this. And I, I just pray, Lord, let us be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, this last week, really the nation and the world mourned the loss, but also celebrated the life of Billy Graham. I think at least in our lifetime and maybe in the history of, of our lives, the history of the world, one of the most productive, fruitful, effectual, fruit-bearing believers of all time. They don't just let anybody lie in state at the Capitol. I think only four civilians have ever 
and, and, and thank God that Billy Graham was there. Everybody saying, God, we trust. <laughs> Amen. What a man, what a guy, very humble man, but what a fruit-bearing believer he was, what a disciple he was. And no, we can't compare ourselves to Billy Graham. There are, you know, how many of you know there's only one Billy Graham? There's only one Sam Walker. There's only, only one of each of us, but we all have the responsibility to be productive for him and, and do the will of God and bear much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. And so with that in mind, let me give you a little introduction and then we're going to get into the gospels uh, and we're just going to look at what Jesus said and his thoughts and his focus on fruitfulness for a few minutes. Genesis 49, let me lay it, lay it out for you. Jacob, how many of you remember? Let's get our, let's get our heritage together. Abraham, the father of our faith. Who's the next one? And Jacob. All right. Without going too deep in the background of Old Testament history, God had a plan from the beginning and through Abraham's seed down through. And if you go all the way down to the New Testament, you'll find Jesus. Are you with me? Say amen. And so there was Abraham bore Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and there's a big history there. But then Jacob had, I think, 12 sons and one of them who was his favorite, his name was Joseph. And oh, you need to read this. Pardon me, you need to read the story of Joseph. This is kind of the ending of the, of the story in Genesis. The last half of Genesis is about the life of Joseph. Now, let me say, I'm going to just build a little, I'm, I'm building a base here. Joseph, uh, is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Listen carefully. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of types and shadows, okay, that you and I would do well to understand because they point to Christ. And as we talked about the gospel project with our children that'll begin, they're going to see God's plan from beginning all the way through to the end that God had a plan and Joseph was a big part of God's plan. And, and I wanted to spend a little time showing you from scripture how Joseph is a type of Christ. Uh, but there was so much, I just defaulted to Google it. Just Google it. Google Joseph type of Christ and you will, there will be an explosion of information on Google, <coughs> how people have gone through scripture, <coughs> pardon me, and showed you that there's typology and Joseph is a type of Christ. Now, back to Genesis 49. So Jacob has these sons and without going too much detail, he's coming to the close of his life and he gathers his sons together. They're all there and he begins to prophetically speak over them. And let me just say, some of them didn't fare too well. <laughs> some of them didn't fare too well. Uh, for example, let me show you some. <clears throat> Reuben, he's an unstable as water. How many of you would appreciate that? Appreciate your father saying that about you? Okay, I, and I don't understand this, but he's 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 separating. And let me just say, this could let me if I could just if I could just get the the big picture here. He's speaking prophetically, and and he's going to get to Joseph, and Joseph's different than all the rest. How many of you know Jesus is different than all the rest? Some of them did, Simon and, Simeon and Levi, they're instruments of cruelty. Thanks, Dad. Issachar, a band of slaves. Well, appreciate that prophetic word. 
Dan, a serpent by the way. Ouch. Gad, a troop shall trample on him. Daddy, what is the world? Naphtali, he, he, he got a little better. A deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. And then Benjamin, he's a ravenous wolf. Man, I don't know about you, but that wouldn't give me the warm fuzzies. But he gets to Joseph and he says this. Joseph, in verse 22, is a fruitful bough. He's drawing a word picture. A fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. Everyone say it with me. In fact, let's read it together. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. He speaks fruitfulness over Joseph, who is a type of Christ, from which we as believers, how many of you know, as a believer, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so the, the, the spoken word, and let me tell you, Christ came right down through Joseph. Come on, I'm telling you something. We can, in a sense, take this prophetic declaration over us because God has a plan and his plan for all of us. How many of you know God's plan is not for you to be unstable as water? How many of you know God's plan is not for you to be an instrument of cruelty? How many of you know God's plan is not for you to be a band of slaves or a serpent by the way or a troop that'll be trampled by our enemies or a ravenous wolf? God's plan is for us to be fruitful. And our fruit began to grow and prosperous, be prosperous and a blessing. And so God spoke that in a sense through Jacob over Joseph who is a type of Christ. And then you go to John 15, and I'll bring them together, and then we'll look at at a lot of other places. If you go to John 15, Jesus, who was a fruitful bough, if you will, Jesus said this about bearing much fruit. He drew the same analogy, if you will. John 15, 1, he said, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Everyone say, Jesus is the vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Everyone say, takes away. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Then he says this, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Everyone say, we're clean because of the word. He said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? He said, we're, we're, that be filled with the fruits of righteousness by Christ Jesus. That's the only way for us to be productive for God is to abide in him. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Now go back to Joseph. What was running over the wall? The branches where the fruit is born. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Somebody say much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. In other words, there's no way to be fruitful without abiding in him. And we'll come back to this passage later uh, in this series. I'm just going to give you this just so you see the parallels and what the New Testament says. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Everybody go, whoo, ouch. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. 
By this, this is where, hey, this is worth the price of admission. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear what? Much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So there you go. In fact, uh, uh, what did Paul say in Philippians? He said, man, this will bring God glory. It'll bring God glory uh, uh, when we become productive for him. And so Paul was praying for the Philippians and us, if you will, to be productive and bear fruit uh, uh, for him. And then G- Jesus said, God will be glorified if we bear much fruit. And so we will be his disciples. So it's God's plan for us to be fruitful in the earth. It's God's desire and his design. It's, it's his prophetic mandate over our lives. In fact, we could just put our name in there and just begin to declare it. We could put our church's name in there. We could put our children's name in there. We could put Ethan. He's gone to sleep on me. He's missing me already. I'm lulling him to sleep. We could put Ethan's name. Ethan is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by well. His branches run over the wall. Amen. And Joseph prophetically spoke that, or pardon me, Jacob prophetically spoke that over Joseph. And I believe he spoke it over all of us today. And so Jesus wants us to bear much fruit. And listen, fruitfulness is not just about being a good Christian. In fact, it's about being a disciple, a disciplined follower of Christ. What did Jesus say? Uh, he said, you'll bear much fruit and, and so will be my disciples, followers. And so we know Jesus was fruitful. Jesus was productive and he wants us to be fruitful and productive. And it's not just about going to church and not smoking or chewing and going with the girls that do. That's a part of the process. But when you look at, as we're about to look at G, I'm, I'm telling you, when you look in the New Testament, when you get on down through Jacob and you get on down through the process, you get into the life of Christ and his short three year tenure of ministry before he died and was buried and rose again. And by the way, Easter Sunday's April 1st. We need to realize that, Hey, that's one of the easiest opportunities to get somebody in church ever in the history of your life is Easter Sunday. We got to go to work now to, for that day, if you will. And so when we weave our way all the way down through Jesus and just start listening and reading the red, we'll find about, uh, we'll find a whole lot of insight about being fruitful. And Jesus had a focus on us and his own life being fruitful and productive. And so this morning, very simply, I'm telling you, this is where this was, uh, this is not deep and wide, but it certainly hopefully will inspire us and motivate us to becoming fr- uh, fruitful and productive for the kingdom. Amen. So with that in mind, I want to share with you some thoughts on fruitfulness and Jesus focus on fruitfulness in the new Testament, really through the gospels, just the, the thoughts about Jesus. Are you ready? I'm going to give you eight all on one PowerPoint. So if you're taking notes, watch carefully. There's a lot here I could say, but let me just give you these eight thoughts when it comes to Jesus focus on fruit bearing, not only in his own life, but in our life. Number one, when it comes to fruitfulness, Jesus is sovereign. Everyone say, Jesus is sovereign. In other words, he's in charge. 
He is the, in fact, here's the scripture for you this morning. It's this, it's Luke 10, 1 and 2. And he says this, let me turn over there. And I would encourage you to go back and forth. We're going to go in different gospels, back and forth. I would encourage you to get your Bible out and just go with me. He's about to send people out into the harvest. And look what he says. He says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. It was the preparation team going ahead of him to prepare the way of the Lord in a sense. And then he said to them, listen carefully, this is the written red word of God, the harvest, there you go, we're talking about being fruitful. We're not talking about just peace and love. We're talking about the harvest, the tangible harvest of souls. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, catch this, we're talking about Jesus is sovereign. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You know what he just said about himself. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest. He said, I'm, a, I'm in charge of the harvest. I need laborers into the harvest. How many of you understand that process? You, you understand that process in life. How many of you uh, have a boss or people in charge of you that are, that are in charge of, uh, that would be you, Brent, by the way. You have a boss. Okay. All right. He, he didn't really raise his hand. We'll make sure he was listening. Uh, Beverly, you have a boss, right? Who's your boss? Uh, who's your daddy right there? I'm not her boss. But it's the same. He said, I'm in charge of the harvest, but you better realize something, just because I'm in charge of the harvest doesn't mean the harvest come in. We need laborers. Everybody said, that's us. Look at your neighbor say, he's talking about us today. We're laborers in the harvest field. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you are bosses? Anybody have bosses, people under you that you tell things to do? Any bosses? You got people in, you got people that you are in charge of. Uh, and if you tell them, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to go here and I need you to go there. And they just said, no, I don't want you to go here or go there. Uh, I'm not going there. But hey, uh, hallelujah. I'm coming to church though, bless God. How many of you know, you wouldn't be, have them on the payroll very long, right? If they did not do what you told them to do, if they did not do what they were hired to do. And Jesus says, I'm in charge of the harvest, but guess what? I'm in charge of you. You're the laborer in the harvest field. And so we've got to be faithful with the labor because Jesus is sovereign. Everyone say, Jesus is Lord. And the Lord of the harvest, he cares about people and he wants to reach people and he wants to do it through us. We are the laborers. We are the harvesters. You get it? So when it comes to fruitfulness in the New Testament, really in the gospels, Jesus is sovereign. Number two, Jesus is sowing. Not S-E-W, S-O-W. In fact, look over in Matthew 13, take a left. And I, though I could spend a lot of time here and we may come back to this for sure, it's the parable of the sower. It's a parable of the sower and the seed and the soil. Everyone say sower. Come on, everyone say sower. Everyone say seed. And everyone say soil. When you read this parable, you're gonna discover that there's that, that the seed is the word of God. Are you with me? And how many of you know the, the, the word of God is how people are born again. People are born again when they hear the word and they believe the word and they confess the word and they are born again. That's Romans 10. 
you confess, if you hear with your ear the preaching of the gospel and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. The word of God, that's how people go to heaven. Not by being good, they go to heaven by by hearing the word of God and the gospel, which Jesus died for our sins, buried on a cross, raised the third day, uh, so we could also have newness of life. That's the gospel. That's Hey, our children are starting the message, the gospel project, the good news that Jesus came to save our his people from their sins. Amen. And so we're born again by the seed of the word of God. And so Matthew 13 says, there's a sower, there's a seed and there's the soil. The soil, as you read this parable is the different conditions of the human heart and how the seed comes in and, and it, and either it's choked or it grows or it grows for a little bit and it, and the cares of this world choke it out. And you'll read that later. But here's what I want you to know. The word of God. How many of you know the Bible says Jesus is the word? Jesus came to this life, in this life, and he sowed his life. He shared the seed of the word of God. Let me just tell you, we are now his laborers. We are also the sowers. How many of you thank God Jesus sowed his life and he sowed the word of God? And he became the word of God so we could then share the word of God. Jesus, when it comes to being fruitful, he is sovereign, he is sowing. And you know what's happening this morning? I said, you know what's happening this morning? This old preacher is sowing seeds. He's sowing seeds. And you know what? Your life is the soil. And some of you this morning, let me just be honest. You read this parable. There's different people that some seed, uh, as the parable goes, they hit by the side of the road and the birds of the air come and snatch them up. God, for help us. I hope today when you leave here that the, that the birds of the air don't come and snatch the seed of God's word because that's how you become born again. And that's how you begin to become fruitful for him. And that's how God is glorified. When we hear the word and we respond to the word and we believe the word and we partake of the word and just like Ethan did, we eat the word of God and it produces much fruit in our life. And then some of you may be here today as the parable goes, you go, oh, amen, oh, Jesus. But because shallowness of soil, having no root in yourselves, it dies away. Or then some sown among the thorns and the cares of this life come and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. That, that reflects the human heart. I pray today your heart is open to the word of God. And as the scripture says that we would plow up the fallow ground and, 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 and produce within our lives a capacity and a desire and a hunger to receive. That's what James said. Receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. And so when it comes to harvest and it comes to being fruitful, Jesus is sovereign and Jesus is sowing. And then number three, Jesus is searching. Go to Mark. I think we're going to hit every gospel. That's why it's a little unique for me. This is the unique part, just back and forth. But Jesus had a lot to say. Look in Mark chapter uh, 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 13 and 14. In fact, it says this. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, speaking of Jesus. 
Now, this is an interesting story, but how many of you know nothing's written in Scripture just by accident? There's a message behind every message. There's a reason for the Word of God. And he was hungry and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, speaking of Jesus, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now we'll learn in a moment that uh, the, the fig tree died. Now, this is not just a random record of some random act. This has a message. It says it wasn't the season for figs. But yet Jesus, who knew and understood the seasons when it comes to, he still went to the tree. Now, he was hungry and he was searching for figs, but he was telling a bigger story. He was, he was wanting his disciples to understand something about fruit bearing and being fruitful. And he spoke and he back, in fact, cursed the tree and it died. But he was searching for fruit. And let me tell you something, when you get in your prayer time or when, when you get, and we're all, how many of you know Jesus is searching for fruitfulness in our life? And he draws near, does he see the fruit? Does, in fact, does he see the productivity of God or does he just see just leaves? Man, you look pretty, but you're not doing anything for the kingdom. He's searching for fruitfulness in our lives. He said, well, it's not harvest time. Well, uh, let me just say to you, here's what, here's what uh, the, the scripture says when it comes. In fact, Peter, I think it's Peter. Let me look. Let me get to my notes. It may not be. Oh, uh, uh, it, you know, it's Paul to Timothy. He's holding this in 2 Timothy 4.2. He said this. He's telling preach the word. That's the seed. Pre- Everyone say preach the word. And then he says this. Be in season. He says, basically, when it comes to preaching the word of God, uh, be in, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, don't take this analogy too far and just say, well, it's not the, it's not harvest time in the kingdom. What he's saying, you be ready in season and out of season. You keep sowing the word of God. And let me just say to you, Jesus is searching for productivity. And if we just say, well, it's not the season, well, it's always the season if you're always sowing. Hello, if you just sow a little, it's not going to be harvest time all the time. But if we're always sowing, what will we always be doing? So when you look to the word of God and Jesus' life, you understand he's sovereign, he's sowing, and he's searching for fruitfulness. In fact, the Bible says when we get to heaven... He's going to judge us. Now, we'll get to heaven because we're his kids, but he will look at us and basically there will be a judgment. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We'll stand before and he rewards us according to our productivity on planet earth. Did you know that? We'll get to heaven and we will be rewarded according to how we lived our life on planet earth. And if we were productive, so he's searching for fruit in our life. Number four, Jesus is serious about fruitfulness. This story about the fig tree is just reveals he's serious. Verse 20 and 24, now in the morning, uh, that's Mark 11, 
as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look. Like he didn't, he wouldn't have believed it if he saw it. Peter said, Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And then Jesus answered him and said, have faith in God. And then he begins to talk about what it takes to be fruitful and productive. But he's serious about fruitfulness. In fact, John 12, let me turn over there. John chapter 12, let me show you this. Pretty serious about it. John 12, 20. Now, there were certain Greeks among them who came up to worship, and they came to Philip. Let me make sure I'm in the right spot. I just, 12, verse 25. Here we go. I'm there. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Then Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, now, Follow me. What, did, what have we learned about what brings glory to God? Productivity. Fruitfulness. Are you with me? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Now here's the Son of God. He says, most assuredly I say, uh, he said, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. In other words, come to a place where, where, where God blesses him and God is blessed. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. What's the point here? Jesus was willing to die so we could be fruitful for him. He's serious about being fruitful. He died so we could live and we could be his hands extended and we could hear his word and believe his word and respond to his word and share his word and be fruitful and productive for him all the days of our life. And when we get to heaven, uh, we, we don't have, we have something uh, to, for him to look to and reward us accordingly. Jesus is serious about fruitfulness. Number five. What's Jesus saying about fruitfulness? Jesus is saying, go back, if you're in John, go back to John 4. And without going too deep into the story, it's the story of the woman at the well. And you know, Jesus got by the well and he, the woman came to draw and Jesus asked her to give her a drink and they had a discussion and Jesus read her mail prophetically and spoke the word of the Lord over her life. And she was so taken aback that she went back to Samaria and told everyone, come see a man who showed me all the things and told me all the things I've ever done. And Jesus looks up in a little while and here comes the, really the whole city of Samaria to come out and to see what, G, what, what she had said had happened to her. And here's what Jesus said. We're talking about Jesus is saying, verse 34, and Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He's talking to his disciples, by the way. Here's what Jesus is saying. Do not say. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. And he points towards the Samaritans coming out at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he and, and who, both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Everyone say rejoice together. 
For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Man, there's a lot right there. But let me tell you what Jesus is saying. Don't say four months and then comes the harvest. Don't blame it on the season. It's always time for harvest time. He said, lift up your eyes and look, the field. Here comes the entire uh, city of Samaria coming out. And Jesus spent time after this preaching to them. He wasn't even supposed to hang around them because Jesus they're not supposed to hang around the Samaritans but I mean you know Jesus didn't understand that he believes we're all precious in his sight red and yellow black and white somebody say amen and he spoke to his disciples and he said this is the harvest it's harvest time so reap so reap amen Number six, Jesus is sanctifying. When it comes to harvest, Jesus is sanctifying. He's cleansing. Now, if you go back to John 15, uh, you can go there if you want. I'm just going to hit a couple of thoughts real quickly. Because as he begins to talk about uh, the vine and the branches, he says this. He said, if he sees a vine or, or a branch that is not bearing fruit. In fact, let me just go back over there. I'm going to give you a little tidbit right now. In the first two verses, he says, uh, or first three verses, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, that's scary. Everybody say, ooh, pastor, that's scary. Everybody say, ooh, pastor, that's scary. Now, takes, everyone say takes away. Now, it doesn't, it, the best rendition of that ver, of those words is not really takes away. Every branch in me, that means that are, that, that are my children, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That really, when you look at the original language, it means he lifts up. We'll talk about that more. Have you ever seen low-lying fruit and that it's touching the ground and it, when it hits the ground, it's in the dirt. And what happens before long, it, it, the fruit is lost, correct? Am I right? If I'm right, say, preacher, you're right. And so here's Jesus. We think Jesus, is, he is serious about harvest, but when he sees the fruit on the ground, it's in the dirt, he lifts it up. Okay, he lifts it up. And in fact, we learn later that he prunes some of those branches so they don't all, the fruit doesn't all hang on the ground and be lost. And then he says, you, let me just tell you about you. I will tell you about you. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That's what sanctifying means. He's washing us up. He's cleaning us up. He's getting, how many of you are glad that when Jesus came along in your life, he picked you up, he lifted you up out of the dirt and began to wash you with the word of God and transform your life so you could be fruitful for him. Amen. Man, this is coming off better than I thought. I hope y'all enjoying it as much as I am. He's sanctifying our lives. Not just so we can sit and smile and go, look how clean I am. Rub-a-dub-dub. No, it's for the purpose of bearing fruit. Amen. Number seven, Jesus is sending. He's sending us into the harvest field. If you went back to Luke 10, what, verse 1, what's he doing? He's sending them two by two into the harvest field. How many of you know we're sent by God into the harvest field every day? In fact, just a moment, we're going to pray that God would, what, that we already know he has, but that he would use us as, as we have been sent by God. I don't know where you're going tomorrow, but let me tell you where Beverly and I are going in just a little while. We're going to Laredo. We are being sent 
to Laredo. I don't know where you're going. You know what? And we should be his lights and his hand extended while we're on our way to Laredo. I don't know where you're going tomorrow or even after church today, but you know what? You need, you and I need to understand we are his ambassadors. We've been sent by God as a light in a dark place, as someone to share and, and spread the love of Jesus and sow the seed of God's word. How many of you got friends and family who are lost on their way to a devil's hell? Do you got any friends and family lost and on their way to a devil's hell. Let me tell you what they need today. They need you to share the gospel with them because you've been sent by God. And who knows, they might believe and receive and hear and be born again. Aren't you glad nobody gave up on you? Whoo. We've been sent. Jesus is sending. That's what the God, the, the, the great commission is all about in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go into all the world. He tells his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. Who are disciples? Fruit-bearing believers. Remember John 15? So you'll be my disciples if you bear much fruit. People think they're disciples, and if they're not bearing fruit, they're not disciples. There are those that may be in Christ but not bearing fruit yet. And you need to be lifted up and cleaned up a little bit and get on track so you can bear much fruit and pruned and taken care of to get you on the, on, in the, into the process of being productive for God. Amen. Jesus is sending. And that's the call of God on the church. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is sending. And then number eight. I love this one. Jesus is singing. Everybody go, Jesus, let me, let me explain. Look, go back to Luke 15. It's just a little ways to the left. You can find it. Luke 15. He says this in verse 3. Then he spoke this parable to them. Again, in other words, a parable is a short story with an eternal truth. What man among you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Someone say rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Could I just use a little ministerial license today? Jesus is in heaven. He's in our hearts, but he's in heaven. And when people are born again, when fruit is born and begins to grow, when people are saved, heaven begins to rejoice. Heaven begins to sing. God, it makes God happy when we're productive for him. And he is glorified. What makes God happy? Harvest. What makes God unhappy? A lack of fruit bearing among his children. If you go back to John 15, yeah, he picks us up and cleans us up and gets us ready. But if we refuse to bear fruit, they pick up these branches and they're burned. I don't think that's a theological declaration. It's a, it's a theological understanding that God's serious about harvest. You can't make a doctrine out of that. But you can make a, a under, bring, come to an understanding that Jesus, it's all about harvest. And everybody said amen. So this morning, 
here we are. Here we are at Church on the Rock North. Here we are moving into the spring from a natural standpoint, but also in a, it's harvest time. It's always harvest time. And so today we're going to pray. I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me and we're going to pray. Because Jesus, it makes God happy when we're productive. We're going to pray, Lord, use me. Everyone say, Lord, use me. Use me for the harvest. Use us today. Let us be like you when it comes to harvest. Father, today as we close this service, may these simple words and thoughts about Jesus and being fruitful ring true in our hearts. Let this seed set up residence in our heart today and may it bear much fruit so we can be fruitful for you. Let us be as it was and, and, and reality was with Joseph, that, Lord, we would be a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. God, we embrace the fruitfulness of God. We want to glorify you and be productive for you. Use us, Lord. I want everyone in this room to just say, Lord, use me this week to bear fruit. Let me be a fruit-bearing believer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me close. We're about done. It's noon. I won't keep you. If you're here today and you've never really given your life to Christ, you've never come to a place where you've said yes to Jesus and invited him into your heart and, and be what we call being born again, today you can do that right where you sit. If you're here today and you're just not certain if you belong to Christ, and you want to know that you know that you know him, that he lives in your heart. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, I just, if, if, if I were honest today, I, I'm just not sure I'm on my way to heaven. And I want to know that's true. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know for sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I want to know for sure that Jesus lives in my heart. If that's you, wherever you are, just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. And I'll pray for you right where you are, anyone. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I know I belong to him, but I want to be fruitful for him. I've not been fruitful and productive. And, and today I want to make the turn and I want to be productive for God. I want to make God happy. I want to glorify God with the way I live. And I want to be a fruit-bearing Christian. I don't want to be someone who just sits in church and does nothing and is not productive for God. Today, I want to pray and agree that my life will become productive and fruitful for him. If that's you, wherever you are, lift your hand with mine because I've got mine up today. Listen, Let's pray together. Father, today we lift our hands to you and we thank you, Lord God, that your seed lives in us. And Lord, your word lives in us and you live within us, Lord. And Lord, it's your will for us to bear much fruit, not a little fruit, not one here and there every once in a while, but to bear much fruit. Lord, I believe that's the case over this church family. Lord, each individual in this church corporately. Lord, let us be glorifiers of God by bearing much fruit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning and thank him today.